0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air, online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Tim Brown is a devoted family man who's worked hard to provide a good life for his wife, Shanae, and daughter, Maya But all is threatened when Shanae's old boyfriend returns from prison, lures her back into a dangerous lifestyle. Though his wife abandons him, Tim refuses to give up hope, fighting against impossible odds to bring his family back together in this powerful drama. And we're speaking of the film 1982, and we're joined by the writer and director, Tommy Oliver. Tommy, welcome to film school. Thank you. Happy to be here. You're you're welcome, and thank you um, so much. Now, tell me a little bit about where the story for 1982 came from. It came
1: from the emotion that I dealt with as a kid growing up in Philly with a mother who was addicted to crack. And so we ultimately wound up shooting the film in the neighborhood, in the street, in in the very house that I grew up in.
0: Okay, so you've written this screenplay, um, you have Gotten the money together, gotten the, the actors, everything together, and now you're getting ready to essentially revisit your past. What are the sort of emotions? What sort of uh, uh, what are you bringing to besides being the director and producer and writer? What, what, um, do, you, what do you feel when you're going back to your old uh, your home and and revisiting a, obviously a very painful story for you?
1: You know, I've had that conversation a couple of times, and the, the truth of it is. A lot of what I needed to, to deal with emotionally I dealt with prior to and otherwise I don't think I would have ever made it through as a low budget tough uh shoot like we had. And so um that said, you know, there was one point at which I, I cried on set. Um but you know, a lot of it was just sort of trying to be as open and vulnerable as needed to, to be able to help the actors to understand what it really feels like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and sort of help them to just be in the appropriate mindset.
0: Well, I can imagine that getting the job done, right, you're, 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 the responsibility comes upon you to make sure that everybody does their job. That's obviously the director, at the end of the day, the director's responsible for the actors and everything that goes on on a set. So I can imagine that getting through that was probably, um, I wouldn't say therapeutic, but it was certainly probably, it was at the top of your mind was to get that done. When you finished, when you wrapped shooting, and the first time you sat down to, well, let me ask you, I don't want to presume here. When you sat down to edit, when you sat down and you got to a point where you were at a final cut, Was the emotions different? Did they change? Was it cathartic? Was there anything about that process that surprised you in terms of the making of 1982?
1: The most cathartic, there were probably two moments that were sort of cathartic and very different. Uh, the, The first was when I got an incredibly nice email from Cameron Bailey of the Toronto Film Festival, in writing the film and for me that was such a, an emotional moment because this film took a lot to get made and it was obviously very personal and to know that the film would have that sort of premiere and the, the possible life that that would afford was an incredible moment and then second, during the premiere, um, my mother was in the audience and somebody asked what she thought of the film and I had no idea because she hadn't seen it before and the mic was handed over to her and she responded at that point and one of the biggest takeaways was that prior to seeing the movie she never understood what I went through because the thing about the movie it's about the family it's from the perspective of what happens to a family when somebody when a family member Is addicted and not that family member, not the the person on drugs, the family that's affected by that. And so it took for her to see this movie some 18 years after she had been clean to fully understand what she put me through. And our relationship has been different ever since then, and it was a, a real sort of eye opener.
0: That's a remarkable. Story. I mean, in that, first of all, that she was, she was around. Based on, I didn't know if she was alive. For her to be able to see it again through the eyes, what a a moment for you and your family to to experience that. I can only imagine. Let's just go back, and we we talking about uh, in the in this uh, story, Chene is is uh, apparently been involved before uh, the the marriage to. So Tim Brown and so now, now so so she's falling back into this. And sort of the veneer of all this is uh the um the crack cocaine epidemic, pandemic is, is essentially part of this story yep. as well. Um, so so all of those things are starting to happen. Um and I just want to explain the story to people so so they understand. So this is caused the ripple effect of uh Shanae falling back into that lifestyle and the determination on the part of Tim Brown played by Hill Harper who's wonderful in this film is is a role that we don't often see uh, it's a it's a it's a portrayal or the storyline is very it's not a, a, something we often see in mainstream Hollywood films in terms of his determination to to hold his family together against some daunting uh, challenges Talk about that in terms of what you were hoping to accomplish with that part of the story, just telling the story, I guess.
1: Part of it was there were a couple of creative liberties taken in the film, and one of those was that the the character that uh, Hill plays, Tim, didn't exist in real life. And so Tim's character was a combination of parts of me, parts of, who I would have liked to have been there, um, for me and there was And so what it really was is, you know, as this guy goes through the, through the ringer, thinking about what I would do in those situations, thinking about what I would hope to do how the, the sort of resolve that I would potentially have to, to be there for my family and to push for my family. And also, Like you said, we don't see this character much, but there are good fathers out there. There are good black fathers out there, but we don't see them. And so to sort of portray somebody in that manner, and he's not a perfect character by any means, he certainly has his squalls, but he is a good-natured person trying to do whatever he can as he fights for his family. And so, you know, Hill and I talked a whole lot about what that looked like and how to craft that character.
0: What's very interesting about his character is that, you're right, he's a flawed character, but fortunately the film doesn't tread in a lot of just bad melodramatic stereotypes in terms of his behavior uh, and the and the behavior of all the characters. I mean, this is just a refreshing thing to see. We so often see this kind of melodramatic madness that passes for drama, in, in especially in terms of African-American portrayals, and and also Sharon Sharon Leal, who who plays uh, Shanae, um, is is a wonderful actress in her and in her role. There's there is enough humanity even at the darkest hours for her that we are pulling for her uh, to come through this on the other side. And again, that's a testament to the direction, and it's also a testament to her skill as an actress. Um, how did you find her? I know she's been in some some high-profile projects, but what was it about her that attracted uh, attracted you to bring her into this role?
1: It was a combination of things, and I think her name initially came up courtesy of my casting director, Sigmund Miguel, and we met in New York, and she's got such a warmth about her, and she's so serious at the same time, mm-hmm. and, and um. I really like the idea of, sort of, like you said, she, she still seems human, and she still seems relatable, even in the, the worst possible situations, and part of that, you know, is she's incredibly pretty, and so there's a little bit of that, that look, there's a little bit of that, just sort of being able to connect with her, but beyond that, like she's a phenomenal, phenomenal actress, and so, being able to play the most subtle notes in ways that manifest themselves in ways that just tug at your heartstrings—she just has great instincts. Um, and so, a lot of those things were apparent. And when you're in a 20 minute conversation with her, uh, you can just see the emotion behind the eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah. She has, and she has a wonderfully expressive face. You you really kind of showcased her her. Face uh, in and in the expression, and uh, as a as a way of conveying the storyline. I thought I thought that was really well done. Um, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Tommy Oliver. He's the writer, director, and producer of the film 1982. Um, as we speak here on uh, February 26th, then uh, you will be at the Lemley Fine Arts Theater. That's in Beverly Hills on Wilshire Boulevard. Wonderful theater complex. Um, uh, to tonight uh, with uh, Hill Harper, uh, Sharon mm-hmm. Leal, uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. and Maya's character. I'm uh, the actress who plays Maya. Uh Tracy will be there tonight as well as. So that's for as the, tomorrow. And yeah, the nine o'clock screenings tonight, and then the seven thirty screening. So and nine. It's
1: seven thirty today and tomorrow. Oh, I'm DNA's sorry. At nine
0: o'clock. Great. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's right. It's both. Tonight is 7.30 and, and Saturday night, 7.30 and 9 o'clock on both nights as well. So.
1: And my buddy Anthony Zeicher is going to do the Q&A. He's going to moderate it tonight for us, and he's the creator of the CSI franchise. And tomorrow, Steve Jones, who's the founder of the High Confidential, is moderating.
0: Well, well nice. <laughs> Good. It sounds great. It sounds like a great time. Again, it's a great theater to go to the Lendley Fine Arts Theater. On Wilshire Boulevard in Beverly Hills. Um, so, and and any time that you can get out and see a great film, and then on top of that, the opportunity to talk to the artist behind the the making of that film—that's uh, just a—that's a wonderful opportunity that we in Los Angeles, I I think, need to take at full advantage of. And certainly, I hope you all be there tonight for this uh, for the screenings. Well, let me a little bit about the your background as a filmmaker. Um, tell us a little bit about. Where this fits in, in in terms of your career as a film filmmaker. Sure.
1: So I I went to Carnegie Mellon, double majored in economics, digital media, and my own business. I did two student films when I was there, and then I went to uh, high tech corporate America for a bit afterward before getting back to film. Uh, and then I produced a film called Kenya Wanda, which. Uh, was directed by somebody named Alex Brown. who's incredibly talented. That film went to Sundance, and Roger Ebert ranked it number six in his top ten of 2011. And then this was the next thing that I did, and I uh, this is the first thing I directed, the first thing I really wrote, and it was um, a labor of love. Mm-hmm. Since then, I've been producing. I produced a film called The Perfect Guy with uh, Sanaa Lathan, Mike Ealy, Morris Chestnut, which. Sony uh, distributed in September, and I've got a couple of other indies that I'm working on, including um, Destin, which Costner is directing, and I'm just trying to make good movies, whether it's writing, directing, or producing, or some combination thereof. Mm-hmm.
0: Would you take on all of the roles you took on in uh, 1982? Is that something that you've we we feel increasingly more comfortable, or, or would you just like to concentrate on on acting and I mean uh, directing and writing uh, that, or do you know yet? Mm.
1: That's a good question, but I really do enjoy all three. Um, and but I, the next thing that I direct, I will very. It's highly unlikely I will be the only producer. Mm. Um, I, I would very likely partner with people, um, but I. I love being behind the camera, and I I shot a good amount of 82, Um, along with my DT, who's phenomenally talented, and like the and so I will continue to be behind the camera, and and I also uh, cut the film as well, which I thoroughly enjoyed, Mm -hmm. and so, and I, I like the idea of being able to partner with, like, really get my hands dirty.
0: Yeah and it's a good it looks it's a good look uh, the film um, it, it's not like there's a lot of s- different locations but I think it uh, you you did enough to invoke uh, the era um, in the film to, to give it the feel uh, obviously not a I mean I say obviously, obviously but I, I assume not a big budget I mean you were probably working off of a uh, uh, pretty pretty um, minimal budget how many shooting days that's you, true yeah how many shooting days 20
1: days 20? 20 days, and uh, yes, and part of the look was Maggie Ruder, our uh, production designer, she worked her behind off.
0: Yeah, yeah, She well, she did. The look, the clothes, the there was, yeah, it, it, it definitely, I mean, you got when when you don't have a, a, a big budget, you, you got to get creative, and the film, again, it evokes the era very nicely. Um, I, there are a couple of things I want to, Wayne Brady, I thought, did a wonderful job. In the film um it's good to see him he's he's pretty solid uh, almost everything good. yeah he is <laughs> i mean i think i think we see him you know as a comedian and we know him one way or Chen tend, tend to think of him in one way, but he's he's very good in this um and and then uh, on a bittersweet note um ruby ruby d's yeah. last last role um i Still, one of my favorite films of all time is uh, Do the Right Thing. And I, I just, every time I think about her um, in that role, and uh, just, it was just wonderful. It was wonderful to see her in in anything. But she was, I mean, she's just such a strikingly wonderful actress. Um, what was it like to be around that her?
1: Was, it was an honor. And it really was. And she had such an impact. She was actually the very first person. To become attached to the film, and it sort of changed the, the landscape. You know, having her stamp of approval made the project so much more real. And then once we got to set, you know, she was a living legend. She was telling first-hand stories about her and Malcolm X and the things that she did with Ossie. And I remember this one day where we were shooting at a diner ultimately wound up getting cut, but we had we only had money to close half the diner. And after we were done shooting, as we got up and she was walking out and people saw who she was, literally every single person in the diner set up and clapped as she was walking out. And it was it was that sort of experience with oh, that, her. Um,
0: that just amazing well well again, I mean her and Ozzy Davis, her, her 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 husband for, for so many years and just uh, there, I can um, I can only imagine that that would be, you know, uh, not the first and last time that happened to her in, in her life. Because not only was she just an incredibly talented artist, but also her her work in the fields of just uh, uh, civil rights and just yeah. you know everything everything she was a part of. She's just such a uh, uh, it, she exuded. Um, a a bearing that uh, just uh, just you you wanted to be around her, I'm sure, as much as possible. So it's good to see yeah, her. Good she really s- was
1: an American hero.
0: Well, kind of have to I have to sort of compose myself because I, I really do <laughs> remember her from from the, not just do the right thing. There were other uh, other films, but the, that's the one that just for some reason has just stuck with me because of her playing off of Ozzy in that film and the way that uh, it's a great film. Um. Yeah, well, great. yeah. So, uh, what's what's next? I mean, n- now that 1982 is about to be uh, um, born of the of the cinematic world, um, <laughs> what's up? Uh, what's up for you in t- terms of moving forward?
1: I mean, fortunately, people have responded uh, positively and favorably to the film, yeah. and there's been a lot of things that have come up, um, and so I'm writing a couple of things, I'm partnering with some really talented people to put some stuff together, I'm producing, uh, along with my wife, who's my partner, a handful of projects, including a, a documentary that we're doing that she's directing, and so I'm just trying to, to keep moving and do movies that I can be proud of, and movies that are entertaining.
0: Yeah. Well, and and again, um, I look for more. I'm certain there'll be more coming from obviously what you're talking about, what you're doing. Uh, Hill Harper again. I you know, we'll go back to him for just a second because uh, uh, he certainly shines in this role, and um, and Sharon as well, and Troy. So uh, it's a it's a it's a good solid cast of people in it, and there are some electrifying moments in the film. There's some really wonderful scenes um in this film that uh that will stick with you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for being a part of of the show today, a part of film school. Um again, the film is 1982. Uh the writer, director and producer of the film is Tommy Oliver. Tommy, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you very much, Tommy. Mike, I appreciate it. Take care. All right. Bye.